we're in a series on, called On the Air, and really it's the idea of, you know, how, how do we as Christians talk about politics? How do we as Christians uh, talk about what we believe, the, the, you know, the convictions we have? Should we be involved? How much should we be involved? And, and really, we've been talking about this, and I'll just say this. If you are somebody that really wants to dive into this even more, uh, there's a book actually called How Not to Be a Jerk uh, by a guy named Eugene Cho, who is a pastor. And uh, it really gets into this even more, and I pulled a lot from what he said, but so today, I just want to start off with this, and I really think if we just focused on this for several weeks, we would have messages. But here, here's the thought. Are we more in love with the idea of following Jesus than actually following Jesus? Are we more in love with the idea of following Jesus than actually following Jesus? I mean, think about that for a second. Do we really believe what the Bible says down to the part where Jesus said you should love your enemies? So the question becomes, when we look at culture, when we look at what Jesus says, how do we engage culture without losing the message of Christ? Like, how do we talk about politics in a culture that he's yelling about politics without losing the message of Christ? And so when we look at the things around us, when we look at the issues that we have in front of us, one of the things that we always saw Jesus did, and just something to think about, he never saw people as projects or problems to be solved. He saw them as a person. He saw them as the children of God. He didn't just look at somebody and say, oh, that's a problem or that, that's a project. He goes, that is a person that I love and I care about and I need to get to know them. And so what we saw so many times, what, what Jesus always did is he always caused his disciples, he always caused the people following him to pause and go, what? Like, they, they always paused and they were like, wait a second, we thought we understood what you meant by loving our enemies, but you just took it to another level. We thought we understood what it meant by caring for those around you, but you just took it to another level. But the thing is to ask is this, you know, do we really believe what Jesus said is what we ought to do, or we just like the fact that Jesus said it? I mean, say it this way. When was the last time you loved your enemies? I'm not much better on this. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, when was the last time somebody talked trash behind your back and you responded in love? I mean, I don't know about you, but when somebody talks trash behind my back, I don't, I don't go, well, I wonder why they thought that. I immediately talk trash back. Like, that's my response. Unless it's somebody that, like, is really nice. Like, if somebody, like, really, you know those, those certain people that are always nice? Like, if they said something bad about me, I'm like, oh, man, there's something wrong with my life. But like everyone else, I'm like, well, they're probably this or they're probably that. And we talk trash and we immediately go against them. And here's what's interesting. We've done the same thing with politics to the point where we disagree so much. And there's such this, this anger that goes in with it. That there's almost this competitive side that goes in the side, into it. And I saw this today. Somebody was posting about this. He goes, guys, no matter what, where you are as a Christian, no matter what side you vote, whoever wins, we have to respond the right way. Because this is not a competition where one side wins. This is just the part of the life God's called us to live. But we get so competitive, don't we? When I was 25, I think it was about 25, 26 years old, I was at a church called Church of the Bay, and we were doing our first ever volunteer appreciation day. And we were a church of about 400 people, and we invited all of our volunteers out and their families. It was about 100 people came out, and we were playing kickball, we were having food, all that kind of stuff. I am, if, you, if we haven't met before, I'm an uber competitive person. 
too competitive. Like I'm not involved in most of the things now just because I take them too seriously. And I, I'm saying that ahead of time because you're going to look down on me in just a second. And so we were, we were having this fun time with our volunteers. What you're supposed to do? Like we're, we're praising them. We're like, thank you so much for giving your time. Thank you for spending time with kids. Thank you for setting up because we were a church that had to set up and tear down. We were just basically thanking them so much. And then we went and played kickball and little kids were playing and I got into a fight with my dad yelling at him on whether or not a four-year-old was out in front of all the volunteers in our church a pastor yelling at another pastor about whether or not a four-year-old was out and that went on and I didn't realize what was going on why because I was so competitive I cared more about winning that game than understanding that I look like an idiot Guys, I want you to understand this. So many times as Christians, when we get into these fights, when we go after these things, we get so focused on winning that we don't realize to the rest of the world that we look like a jerk. We look like we care about things that absolutely do not matter. And it's embarrassing so many times when we lack self-awareness in those areas. And what's really sad is when I see Christians act like jerks and then act like they can back it up with biblical authority. They'll yell and scream at somebody and say, well, this is what God says. Even though when we look at Jesus, like I said before, how did he treat those he disagreed with? See, what if Christians were actually known for loving God and loving others? Isn't that what we're supposed to be known for? Like the first commandment, love God, love others, love God, love others. But when they actually took a survey uh, of people and they said, hey, what are the top three things that Christians are known for? The top three were this, anti-gay, judgmental, hypocritical. Anti-gay, judgmental, hypocritical. And what do you see? That's the opposite of what Jesus said we're supposed to be known for. He says, you should know, the world should know that you're my followers because you love one another. The world should know that you're my followers because you have the fruits of the Spirit. Yet what are Christians known for? Judgmental, hypocritical. We only allow certain people in our church. And what's so sad is when you see the world see us that way, we're going, but you should see us a different way. But they're going, but that's the same thing you do to us. Because so many times as Christians, and I think you guys could agree with me on this, Christians are very much seen many times, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not with us, you're against us. And as Christians, we have to find a different way to speak. We have a different way to love each other, especially in this political environment right now. Because I'm not saying you can't have fierce convictions, but the way we talk about those convictions absolutely matter. I mean, here's what's interesting. They're doing all kinds of surveys right now, all kinds of uh, looking into the way people are acting, and they're finding out this, to see the worst in the world right now, you just start a political conversation. And this is not just Christians. This is just across the world. And, and they're looking at the way people are treated. They're looking at what comes out, especially on social media. Because it's amazing how on social media, people will say things they never said before. And they've shown that on Twitter, when newscasters that are of women descent, they get, oh, women descent, that are women, <laughs> all of us are of women descent, they get treated much worse than men do. In fact, uh, those that are uh, black get treated worst the most, and then those that are Asian Americans are most likely to be thrown racist remarks at. And this is on Twitter. And in this days of social media, everyone can be a jerk. What's interesting is back in the day, you actually had to be big or fast to be a jerk. Like you either had to back it up or be able to run away to be able to do that. Now, anyone can. I can have a bad day. I can go online and, and basically make everyone angry. I can have a bad day. I can go online and not worry about any repercussion because nobody knows who I am. See, we've all had that moment, right? We've all had that moment where we're ready to say something awful on social media, right? 
We've all had that moment. And some of us have posted it and then later deleted it. And some of us have gone to post it and then gone, this is a bad idea. I just broke up. I did too much alcohol. No, this is a bad idea. And we've gone back and we've gone against it. But all of us have been in that situation. And here's the deal. It's easy to, to go against people that you don't know. It's easy to throw things at people that you don't know. And it's easy to throw things at people who are not like you. Here's what's interesting. They've done social network studies to decide, you know, whether or not people of certain races actually have people in their inner circles that are different than them. So for example, people who are white, 75% of people who are white don't, don't have anyone of another ethnicity within their social circle. People who are black, 65% of people who are black don't have anyone else in their social circle. Let people who are Latino, 50%, they, they apparently like more people than everybody else. They have less, but here's why. Here's why I say that. Here's the problem. In a world that's racially charged right now, how often do we not understand what the other side is thinking because we don't know one from the other side? Because we don't know anybody that's different from us. Jesus literally chose to be around people where that were the opposite of what he believed and were looked down by those that he was walking with. I mean, Jesus chose to walk through Samaria. Samaria at that time was the place that the Jewish people hated the most. They were seen as dogs. They were seen as the worst kind of people. They were looked down constantly. And Jesus decided, I'm going to walk through Samaria. Not only am I going to talk to someone in Samaria, I'm going to talk to a woman, which as a Jewish rabbi, I should never be doing. Yet he chose in that moment to sit down at a well with a woman and show this woman dignity and showed his disciples that she had humanity. He chose to have a conversation with her. Because here's what I think happens so many times. When it comes to yelling and screaming on social media, when it comes to yelling and screaming in the world, what we tend to do is this, is we tend to dehumanize people. Because when we dehumanize them, it's easier to bash them. It's easier to make fun of them. It's easier to assume the worst of them. And right now, it's crazy. You see both sides of the political spectrum saying things that dehumanize the other side. And what did Jesus do? He sat down with the other side and had a conversation and said, I want to make sure you know that I care about you. See, Jesus built bridges. I see so many times people throwing things out there right now that devalues the life of somebody else. Here's what's crazy. When we devalue the life of someone else, we're devaluing God's creation. We're deciding to say to God, you did a pretty good job, but that one was a mistake. And we're allowing that to happen. James 1, 19 to 20 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger and fear are brothers. They tend to work together. When there's anger, fear tends to be there. Where there's fear, there tends to be angry, anger. Have you, have you found this, that society right now is running on the currency of fear? Like in everything right now. And I'm not saying there's not things to be afraid of. But right now, it seems like the world is running on a currency of fear. You vote for this side because fear that this will happen. You are afraid of this because this may happen. Everything is about fear. And the problem is when the fear is the main currency, anger is far behind. And here's what we must do as Christians. We must devalue fear. We must take the time to get into place and go, no, 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 this isn't true. 
because God is the God that actually gets rid of fear. God is the only one that can cast out fear. And as Christians, we cannot allow fear to separate us as a church. Galatians 3.28 says this. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, as Christians, we've got to understand we're all in one place. We talked about this last week, how it's amazing that holidays can bring us together. But when you have a holiday meal, we all know this. There's things you don't talk about. There's things you don't want to talk about. Like you don't talk about the uncle that thinks this thing. You talk, talk about the aunt that th- thinks this thing. You're afraid that your, you know, your friend or you know, your brother or sister will say something that will make everyone angry. And I think here's the problem that's happened so many times is we've had so many of those meals that we feel like that's what it's about. So we stop having them. There's a cool organization that, that came uh, about four years ago. It, called, it was called this, Make America Dinner Again. And here's what it was. This organization's entire purpose was to bring people together of all different backgrounds, all different denominations, all different voting types, and just sit down and have a conversation and get to learn about the person across from you. You get to sit down and realize that you can disagree, but you can still get along. You can disagree, but you can also find things that all of us have in the same way. As Christians, guys, as Christians, this should be the norm for us. As Christians, uncomfortable things should be the norm for us. As Christians, we should be the ones that are building bridges. We should be the ones that are bringing people together. As Christians, we should be the ones that are listening to what's going on. See, I think so many times, though, we're afraid to listen because we're afraid that they may say something that may cause us to doubt what we believe. And let me just say this. A strong faith is one that's tested. If you're afraid to sit down from someone from another religion because they may cause doubt on your faith, that's a problem. God wants you to sit down with them. God wants you to sit across from them. Jesus did that same exact thing and had dinner, had a conversation. Why? Because he wanted them to understand first that he cared about them. Look, the reason we come together is not to solve all the world's problems. The reason we come together is to show value to others. Because right now, as a Christian world, many people believe we don't value them. We don't see them as worthy. Because it's easy to hate those you don't know, isn't it? It's easy to hate those you don't know. It's easy to hate those people that you may have researched, but you've never actually met. So remember, I think it was about four years ago, Donald Trump had talked about creating a law to not allow any Muslims into America. And I I remember why he did it. And I I remember a lot of people that were my friends that absolutely were like, this is is something we should do. Because you guys, many of you are are too young for this, but actually I remember 9-11. I remember it was my first year of college. I remember watching the planes go in there. I remember the, the photos of the Muslim people. I remember seeing after that going on YouTube and all these places, all these beheadings that were happening from ISIS all these beheadings, all this violence, bombings, fear was becoming the currency. And so if your only picture ever of a Muslim person was that on the screen of a terrorist, if your only picture of someone that was a Muslim person was somebody chopping off a Christian's head, then your natural response, of course, is why would we want them in our country? Well, my question is, if you've never sat down across from one, if you've never actually had a conversation, then how can you understand it? So we have good friends. Uh, their names are Stephanie and Evan. And they started working with a Muslim population of refugees. And they started working with them. They played soccer with them. The idea was to bring them in, play soccer with them, and hopefully teach them about God. She, start, she started to work with these refugees. And she had two that were from Syria, Majid and Jihad. And one day they were 
incredibly hurt. They come in, they're like, I don't understand why everybody hates us and thinks we're terrorists. He's like, my brother died from ISIS. I hate ISIS. Why does everybody think I'm a part of that? What's so sad is one of them actually tried to go off as Puerto Rican, which is funny because he doesn't have an accent and his name is Majid. (laughs) But the reason he did it was because he felt hate from everyone around him. See, when Trump said, I'm going to shut off America to all Muslims, Stephanie and Evan saw Majid and Jaha's face. They saw two people that were fleeing a country that if they would have stayed, they would have been killed. They saw two people that were scared to death of what was happening back in their country. So they had to come somewhere to be a part of it. See, it's so easy many times when we look at the world, when we look at things around us to decide who somebody is without ever sitting across from them. It's like the same people who say all people that voted for Trump are racist. It's like, have you talked to one? Have you been in the same room? Have you had the conversations with him? Have you asked, are they racist? But we automatically assume, and here's what's really easy to do, is to decide this side is all this, never have the conversation because it's easier on me. Because if I have have to sit across from somebody that believes something different from them, I may like them. And I I may understand why they vote or they do the things that they do. Look, our natural propensity is to develop relationships that agree with us. We want to have people around us that are the same as us. But when you see what Jesus did, it was the opposite of that. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone that was different than you? Somebody that was a different color, different upbringing, those that have voted differently from you just to find out what they believe. There's a pastor named Rick Warren who has shown this incredibly. If you guys haven't heard of him, he's the guy that wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which is the second best-selling book to the Bible, literally. Like he is a church, uh, he has a church out in California that's probably 25, 30, 35,000 people, massive church. And he is one of the most blogged about men out there. The guy has led more people to Christ, has helped more people deal with issues, has done incredible things, literally start, started to come something called the peace program that reaches out to a bunch of third world countries and brings in medical aid, all kinds of stuff. But if you search Rick Warren's name, you will find entire blogs dedicated to tearing apart his messages, calling him the antichrist. You'll find podcasts to the same thing. You know what Rick Warren did? He called up all those guys and said, hey, you wanna come over and tell me why you hate me? And they did. They came over, he sat in a circle and he listened. Why? Because he goes, man, maybe they see something that I don't. Maybe they understand something that I don't. It was interesting is he did the bold move of bringing them. Not one of them actually podcasted or wrote about that experience. But he realized that even though these people believe something differently, even though they're actually saying awful things about me, there may be something that I can learn from them. Look, you cannot engage culture without understanding culture. So many times as Christians, we come into the church and the church becomes everything to us, but we forget that we're supposed to be going out into the world and bringing more people into the church. See, not all Christians hate people, but not all non-Christians hate Christians. See, it's very easy to be in the church and just assume nobody wants to be here rather than getting to know people that are not. Here's two responses to those who believe differently than you. This will change your entire conversations. Help me understand what you believe and what brought you to those conclusions. And here's the hard part. When you ask these questions, you listen without a response. You listen without thinking of a response. You listen without thinking of a rebuttal. You listen because you realize that that person matters and what they have to say matters. See, as Christians, I think we need to become better listeners. 
So many times we focus on what we should say. We should focus on how we listen. Instead of looking to disagree with them, look at, to engage with them. I mean, here's the crazy part. Jesus ate with people that he shouldn't have. Jesus ate with tax collectors, which were considered the sellouts of the Jewish race. They were the ones that worked for the Roman Empire and they took money from Jewish people. Jesus ate with them. Jesus ate with women. Jesus ate with Samaritans. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Jesus even ate with Pharisees, those that made fun of him. And he ate with Judas, the guy that was going to betray him. In fact, let me just say this. Just when we thought we understood what it meant to follow Jesus, he washed the feet of those that would abandon him and the man that would betray him. Here's what's crazy. The night before Jesus dies, he goes, I want you to understand that the first shall be last, the last shall be first. I want you to understand that you should serve. And he literally gets down, he washes the feet of the guys he knows that are gonna sell him out and of the man he knows that is going to betray him and lead to his death. See, Jesus never canceled anyone. Jesus never got rid of anyone. Jesus didn't delete people. He decided to get to know them. Look, I, I see this happening all the time. It's so much easier to delete somebody than it is to get to know them. It's so much easier to get rid of them than it is to realize that they're a person with true problems and issues that are very complex. It's easier to let go of somebody than try to actually get into their life and get to know them. See, when the church decides to cancel people, we dehumanize them because we're telling them they're not good enough for the word that God has for their life. Guys, assumptions are lazy. They're lazy. It takes energy to ask questions. It takes energy not to form opinions. But that's what we're called to do. See, I think many times what we have to do is we have to spend less time deciding what a group is, researching a group, and more time just talking to them and getting to know them. Because here's what we want to do. We don't want those same assumptions thrown on us that three, we throw on other people. Now, now, when I say that, one of the biggest problems that we've got right now is there's so many assumptions around Christians and political parties. And you see Christians fighting for political parties like they should for God. And I've wondered, like, how do we get to that point? And there's something called the domino effect of political enmeshment, if we can get that up on the screen. It's, uh, it's from a pastor named Rich Villotis. Villotis? It's the last slide, it should be. There we go. And, and, here's, and here's what it means. It says, to critique a political leader is to critique the party I align with. To critique the party is to critique the values I hold dear. To critique the values I hold dear is to critique my vision of a flourishing world. Critique my vision of a world that flourishes is to critique my understanding of God. To critique my, critique my understanding of God is to critique me at my deepest center. See, this is how we get to the place where we are right now. Is Christians, instead of totally aligning with Christ, have aligned with a political party. Instead of defending their faith, they're defending a political party. See, the problem with this is at the very first part. See, as Christians, we should never align with a political party. The only person we should align with is Christ. The only person we should ever say we care about the most that we're living our life by is Christ because there's no political party and there's no political leader that lines up with Christ. There are issues and there are things that we can talk about, but there is not a person as Christians that we should defend so wholeheartedly to say, if you don't believe in this, you're not a Christian. If you don't believe this thing, then you're not a Christian. Guys, it is up to Christians to decide to separate ourselves from politics, to still vote and be a part of it, and to build bridges between those that are in and outside the church. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you're a God that loves us and cares about us and wants to get to know us. God, I pray that we would do the same. 
God, I pray as, as we get to know those around us, God, I pray that we would purposely have conversations with people that are different than us, that believe differently than we do. God, I pray that we would listen more than we would speak. God, I pray that we wouldn't form assumptions. And God, I pray that the people that we talk to would believe that we cared for them because we do and because you care for them. God, I pray that you will help us become the light that we should be in the middle of everything going on right now. God, I pray that we would be the ones that bring peace, understanding, and wisdom to a time that is lacking all of those things. God, we thank you that we get to be a part of that. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.